and that is, what will happen to our nation? <clears throat> there are many theologians who bemoan the idea that they have that the Bible and all its prophecies has nothing to do with this nation. They say, how can the greatest nation on earth today not be mentioned in Bible prophecy? So they don't understand who our people are. And the truth to tell, most of the scriptures in the Bible, most of the prophecies have to do with the nations of Israel today. Those nations are uh, Northwest Europe and primarily, and places that those European people have gone, as well as the United States. We're the tribe of Ephraim, the leader today. It talks about in the end time prophecies about the stick of Judah and the stick of Ephraim. Because here in the end time, Ephraim would be the primary leader and ruler of the nations of Israel. In fact, Jeremiah 31 says he has made Israel, I mean Ephraim the firstborn, uh, supplanting Reuben or France. So I wanted to make that statement at the beginning uh, because if you don't understand who Israel is, you can't understand the prophecies of the Bible. It's that plain and simple. Uh, how do we know this to be the case? Where is so-called Christianity rooted? Where did it spread to the rest of the world from? From Western Europe and the United States. If you go through a phone book, where do you find primarily names of the Bible? Joseph and Josephson and so on and so forth uh, within Western Europe and America. And we're the ones who spread the Bible around the world. Now you go to Africa today and you hear a lot of names that uh, relate to Bible names. But that did not happen until European missionaries went down there and proselyted those people and turned them to Christianity. So, who had the Bible? <laughs> who did God give the Bible to? Israel. And they're the ones who have it today and who have spread it around the world. So, there are many, many uh, sermons that I gave in the book that Worldwide put out, uh, British Commonwealth and U.S. and British Commonwealth and Prophecy, who go through and show that this is the case, so I don't want to belabor it too much today, but these Bible prophecies are speaking primarily of Israel and the Jews. There were twelve tribes, remember, Judah was only one. So people lump them all together and think that all Israel uh, are Jews. Uh, not so. There were twelve tribes, and they've been called the ten lost tribes. Judah was formed of three tribes, Benjamin, Judah, and Levi, and the others were the northern tribes under uh, separate kingship. And that's the way it is today. Uh, all Jews are not Israelites, but all Israelites are not Jews. Uh, there are twelve tribes. The United States is Ephraim, Britain is Manasseh, and the others are spread mostly through Europe. Now, I'm not going to make <clears throat> a political statement today. I'm going to make some scriptural statements. They may sound political at first, but that's not what they are. We have today 
a nation, America, and that is going to be the focus of today's sermon, the prophecies of the Bible having to do with this nation. Now, where do we stand today? We are a nation that is more divided today than it has been since the Civil War. It was tragically divided at that time, and we had warfare, citizens of this country against other citizens, and sometimes brothers and uncles and cousins shooting each other in the Civil War. It's a terrible time, and we have not been that divided until today. Now, it hasn't broken into violence, for the most part. Not like that kind of violence. Will it? Is that where it's headed? We're a nation divided, and what did Christ himself say? A house divided against itself cannot stand. Now, we've just had an election in this country, and we have a president-elect. We have a nation divided between those who believe that Hillary Clinton would have been the best answer for this nation, that they felt she should lead the nation today, and would have been the very best thing that we could have done would be to elect Hillary Clinton. And they become very, very emotional about it. And they have created all kinds of trouble for those who voted for the other party. And then we have a man who said he will make America great again. And he was apparently elected <coughs> by a landslide vote. They're still arguing about the popular vote. And the Electoral College is being pummeled by some people to change their vote and put Hillary in even yet. So Donald Trump says, I will make America great again. And he has come out with statements about how he will follow the Constitution and we will have the rule of law instead of uh, liberal socialistic judges expressing their opinion and making judgments based on that. Now there are many people who are very, very emotional about Donald Trump. Many feel that God sent him to save our nation that God is putting him in charge to do just that. And they become very emotional about it. I've even seen people well up and cry who think that this is a move to restore America to the greatness that we once had. Now, is he going to do that? Will he be able to do that? There are many forces. There are many different political groups around the world. Uh, some are dedicated to a globalist government and destroying all nationalities, all nations' borders. Is that going to happen? What is going to happen to our country? I'm going to show you the Bible answers to that today. I'm not here to promote Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or any other individual who might or might not have been elected or who tried to be elected. That has nothing to do uh, with what I have to say today. I just ask you some questions. <laughs> would Hillary have led us better? Or would Donald have led us better? Where are we headed and what is going to happen? Will we have a civil war? What will happen to the president-elect? 
I can show you some very specific scriptures, and I will today, prophecies about our leaders at this time and exactly what will happen to them. So let's proceed. First of all, let's turn to Isaiah 1. Now, the scriptures I'm going to give you are... I can't go through all of them today. I'd have to go through all of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and all the minor prophets, (coughs) and all the things that Christ said. But let's get a little bit of an overview of the prophecies that God has concerning Israel and Judah today, because these are all end-time books. They even express within their pages that you'll consider and understand these things in the latter days or that this book is sealed up until the latter days and can't be understood until then. And they all have to do with the day of the Lord, the return of Christ, uh, the battle of Armageddon, and the end times. So, the Bible prophecies were written several thousand years ago. But they all were pointed toward (coughs) the final fulfillment being in this day and age, these last few years. So let's look at Isaiah first and what he has to say. Isaiah 1, verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. Wherever you are, listen to this. For the Eternal has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Now that's Israel's history. All the way back. (laughs) And almost always in between. But this is an end-time prophecy about the children of Israel and how we rebelled against God. The ox knows his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel does not know, my people do not consider. We might know about things in our everyday life. Uh, You know, the ass knows his master's crib, he knows where home is. A horse knows where he gets fed and heads there, whether you want him to or not at times. But we don't know our God. Let me ask you another question that I meant to ask. Has Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump said, I'm going to turn you to God. I'm going to make this the most God-fearing nation on earth. Have you heard that campaign campaign promise? I don't think so. A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers... Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the eternal. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. Is there a God who rules in the universe? Is He the one who created us? Is He the one who gave us His Word? Should we pay any attention to Him? And yet we have a nation that has little to say about God today. It's all political. And what people will do for us or not do for us. Why should we, you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. He says, the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been clothed, closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. So, we, the people like to blame our woes and our troubles on our leaders. We like to say, if we just had this leader or that leader, 
everything would be okay. But boy, we vote in the wrong leader and then everything goes to pot. We have trouble on every side. If we could just get the right leader, and we all have different views on who that right leader would be, right? There are people who want Ron Paul or Rand Paul or somebody else in there, and they think he would, they would solve the problem, or whoever they might choose. There are a lot of people with a lot of different opinions. But God doesn't say that it's the leadership's problem. We'll see that emphasized. From the head to the foot, we're sick. It's not just our leaders. The leaders are simply people who were voted into those positions by the rest of us. We are a nation full of idolaters and liars and thieves and crooks and fornicators and adulterers. It's not just our leaders. We jump on the leaders, but it's the people themselves who are just as bad as the leaders. <clears throat> so head to foot. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. This is a prophecy. <clears throat> your land, strangers devour it in your presence. We're going to be invaded because of our national sins, not just our leaders. It is desolate as overthrown by strangers. He says in another place, it'll be by a people that we don't know their language, their tongue. Go on down to verse 23, I think I want. Your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Do we have leaders who are lining their pockets and companions with thieves and murderers? We hear about that all the time. Everyone loves gifts and follows after rewards. Is there payola? Is there corruption? Do judges make decisions based on where they get money? Does the Clinton Foundation, for instance, uh, do what people want because they put millions and millions of dollars there? Or all of our, mostly all of our uh, congressmen and judges the same way? Our leaders, it says, they follow after reward. They judge not the fatherless, neither does the cause of the widow come to them. They're not concerned about us. They're concerned with themselves. Therefore, says the eternal Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will ease me of my adversaries and avenge me of my enemies, and I will turn my hand upon you and purely purge away your dross and take away all your tin. So God is going to destroy this nation's rulers and its people. We're going to be taken into captivity, says Isaiah. Let's go to chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. For behold, the eternal Lord of hosts does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. Our food is going to be taken away. We have preppers in our nation today who are banging the drum saying you should get prepared because famine is coming. We won't have food. They quote uh, Venezuela is a very recent example of a place where there's very little food and anarchy is coming on. All right, what does it say? The mighty man and the man of war, the judge, the prophet, the prudent, and the ancient... So the powerful people, uh, the military, <clears throat> the judges, the ministry, the churches, and the prudent, the ancient, the captain of fifty, the honorable man, the counselor, and the cunning artificer, 
and the eloquent orator. So those who were in charge of bureaucracies, captains of fifties and tens and so on, and I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. So our leaders today are like little children, just wanting what they want and trying to get what they want to have. So we don't have grown, mature people in leadership today. And the people shall be oppressed. Does Obamacare give you oppression? <laughs> Does health costs give you oppression? Does higher taxes give you oppression? Of course, so Trump says he's going to lower taxes. Is he going to save us? These are just questions now. We'll get answers as we go. The people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. So this shows a division among our people, not just our leaders. People oppressing one another. You voted for Clinton, I'll oppress you. You voted for Trump, I'll oppress you. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. So there's no respect shown either direction, from young to old, in our nation today. Uh, let's see, verse 14 of this the same chapter. The eternal will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people, the older people, the leaders, and the princes thereof. For you have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor is in your houses." Do we have today a nation where the 1% have taken most of the wealth away from the middle class so that we now basically have the elite 1% and the poor? And the middle class still exists, but it is very, very quickly being destroyed. So that's what's happening. They're eating it all up and keeping it for themselves. All right, <clears throat> maybe that's... Well, let's go to Isaiah 7 for a moment. Here a conspiracy is talked about within Ephraim and Judah and Syria coming against Ephraim. And we do have trouble with Syria right now, whether that's the Arab world or whether it's speaking specifically of that political nation of Syria today is another question. But anyway, there's a conspiracy. Uh, there are real Jews who don't like Judah I mean, don't like America and the rest of Israel. And there are fake Jews, Edomites from Esau, who also don't like it and are in positions of power and great financial people today. Uh, so we do have those conspiracies going on right now. But it does say in verse 8 that Ephraim will be broken within threescore and five years, and that this will come at a time when a virgin will conceive, verse 14, and you'll begin to call his name Emmanuel. That's why we switched to Emmanuel from Jesus, because it says, you will call him Jesus in Matthew 4, I think, or 3, but they will call him Emmanuel. And here at the end time in these prophecies, we've started doing that. But anyway, he says, while if that child is still fairly young, it's a sign that Ephraim will be destroyed, and the other is it will be destroyed within 65 years. Sixty-five years of what has been a question in my mind. Someone brought up uh, a formation of a political unit uh, just recently that might have some bearing on that. 
uh, it was in the year of 1954 that the Bilderberg Group was established. Uh, they are a group of people who meet at least once a year, about 120 to 150 of the elite people of politics, of business, and so on. They get together to strategize and try to find pro uh, answers to the problems in the world. Now, Scripture is very plain that in the end time that there will be a division of ten kings who will rule the earth. Now, the Bilderbergs began in 1954, and here's a quote from, uh, and well, they had their first meeting in the United States. It was begun in the Netherlands, but they had their first meeting in the United States in 1957. It's uh, St. Simon Island in Georgia, the same place that the famous beast of Jekyll Island uh, began. Our modern-day Federal Reserve began at Jekyll Island. We've had a feast site there. But St. Simon and Jekyll are very close together on the, the Georgia coast, so I find that kind of an interesting thing. Uh, so, 1957, this is 2017 coming up. Anyway... Uh, they seek a one-world government, the Bilderbergs, and they have suggested that the earth be divided into ten uh, areas, ten kings like the Bible says. So is what they are proposing something that uh, we should consider as a possibility of a conspiracy to take down our nation and make it part of a one-world government and divide it up into pieces? Daniel says, the book of Daniel, that in the end time, <coughs> this nation <coughs> will be divided into four parts. We have secession movements going on right now in several places, Oregon, California, Texas. <coughs> and we have rulers who wish to divide us up. <coughs> and we have world rulers and other nations who want to divide us up among themselves. But Daniel makes it clear that we'll be in four pieces, not six, and that those four pieces will be part of the ten that the United Nations says they're going to divide the world into. Well, the Bilderbergs were one of the first to uh, promote that idea. Now, is this just a conspiracy thought? Uh, Dennis Healy, in 2001, who was a founding member of the Bilderberg Group, uh, and a member of their steering committee for 30 years said uh, that to say we were striving, and this is a direct quote, for a one-world government is exaggerated, but not wholly unfair. Now he goes on to say, those of us in Bilderberg felt we couldn't go on forever fighting one another for nothing and uh, killing people and rendering millions homeless. So we felt that a single community uh, throughout the world would be a good thing. <laughs> he just said what he said was an exaggeration. He says to say we are promoting a world government is exaggerated but not entirely unfair. And then he goes on to say, we want a one-world community governed by one head, just like the Bible says will happen, the beast, the false prophet. So they do have those ideas, 
and that is talked about here in Isaiah 7. I don't know whether it means the Bilderbergs, but they might be, from their beginning, the 65 years are almost up. We're only two shy of it, uh, two or three shy of it, if I do the math right. So that is close. And if that is the starting point, when they started in 1954, then we have to be uh, destroyed as a nation very soon now. Okay, that's what Isaiah has to say. Uh, let's go to Jeremiah for a moment, uh, chapter 1. I'm just kind of addressing the beginnings of these books and what God addressed, uh, along with a few others, but here in Jeremiah, second major prophet, uh, chapter 1, verse 14. And the word of the Eternal came to me the second time, saying, What see you? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Now, are we a seething pot as a nation today? <laughs> we have political currents going every direction you can name, racial currents, immigration currents. What we're going to do about the economy, we are a boiling, seething pot of different ideas that are leading to trouble. And the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Eternal said to me, out of the north, an evil shall break upon all the inhabitants of the land. Not just the leaders, but all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Eternal, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. So our walled cities, our defenses, our military, they will come against. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense to other gods, and worship the works of their own hands. Do we worship materialism? Do we have our own gods apart from the true God of heaven and earth? Well, he's sending the northern army, depicted as the Assyrian, which is Russia, and her allies against us from the north. It's not Germany. I believe today that Germany is primarily Israelite. They are maybe mostly Dan, who the Bible says would bite their uh, brother's heels. Well, which, is, which of the brothers has bit the heels of the other nations of Europe in this century, or last century? World War I and World War II, it was Germany who was biting the heels of the others. I think Germany is more Gad, Asher, and Dan. It is not the Assyrian. And we are not going to get help from Germany. Germany's finances are just about to go under. Deutsche Bank is about to go under. And they are being taken over by the Islamic hordes who are coming in, just like they are the rest of Europe, and taking that... Uh, commonwealth over. Anyway, uh, let's go to chapter 2 and pick it up in verse 11. Has a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? Do we worship things that really aren't God? Our TVs, our iPads, our uh, sports, our uh, Hollywood, our Everything about our culture has nothing to do with God. But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be astonished, O you heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. 
Be afraid if you are an American citizen today in our culture and society which is godless. Be you very desolate, says the Eternal, for my people have committed two evils. Boil it down, these are the two big evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We've departed from the true God, and we're depending on things that cannot save us. Our leadership has almost destroyed our military in the last 10, 12 years. And we have depended on our finances to keep us ahead of the rest of the world. And we're about to be destroyed financially, which I'll show you in Scripture in just a little bit. We are trillions of dollars in debt, and it's doubled in the last eight. You can't pay that kind back. And now interest rates are going to go up, and then you really can't pay the interest, much less pay back what we owe. We're a debtor nation, the biggest on earth. We can't depend on finances to save us. It's not going to happen. All right, let's see. Uh, let's go to Jeremiah 30 just for a moment. Jeremiah 30. And pick it up in verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah, these are the words of God. Verse 3. For lo, the days come, says the Eternal, that I will turn around the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, says the Eternal, and cause them to return to the land that I gave their fathers, and they shall possess it. Uh, but before that happens, verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So he says our nation is in trouble today, the nations of Western Europe in trouble, but they'll be saved out of it. Is Donald Trump going to lead us out of this trouble that we are in as a people today? How will it happen? Let's go on from there for the moment. Uh, and we'll, we'll see some answers a little later on. Now to uh, let's go to Zephaniah. The book of Habakkuk before Zephaniah talks about how the Chaldean or the Assyrian will come into our land and destroy our nation. Uh, I won't go through and review that. We've been over it before, but he makes it very clear. And then we go into the book of Zephaniah. We have a lot of people today on the alternate media and so on and so forth, and even some mainline prognosticators who are saying that we're going to have a financial collapse of our dollar, of this nation's money, and a worldwide collapse financially. If you're aware at all and paying any attention to what's going on, you can see that that is imminent. Well, the book of Zephaniah talks about it. <clears throat> it says, verse 2 of chapter 1, I will utterly consume all things from off the land, says the Eternal. I will consume man and beast, I will consume the fowls of the heaven, the fishes of the sea, and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. Do we have birds and fish dying on our coastlines? Is Fukushima killing out the Pacific Ocean? It's where there's hardly anything left out there. Uh, these things are going on. I, while we were in Ezekiel, I meant to go to chapter 5. Keep your finger in Zephaniah. Let's go back to Ezekiel 5 just a moment. 
Or I guess I didn't. I guess I bypassed Ezekiel. I meant to go there. Uh, chapter two first. I, I got ahead of myself a little bit. Ezekiel two, <clears throat> verse three. And he said to me, "Son of man, I send you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me." They and their fathers have transgressed against me even to this very day. So, God has a problem with our nation. It isn't just us and our physical leadership, but God has difficulties with us. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the eternal God, and they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there has been a prophet among them. Now, he's going to make some specific prophecies about Israel. And I'll go to chapter 5, because it, it says basically the same thing that we read in Isaiah and Jeremiah. Let's go to chapter 5. You son of man, take you a sharp knife, take you a barber's razor, and cause it to pass upon your head and your beard. Then take the balances to weigh and divide the hair. You shall burn with fire a third part in the midst of the city. When the days of the siege are fulfilled, and you shall take a third part and smite it about with a knife, and a third part you shall scatter in the wind, and I will draw out a sword after them. And then he says, take a few more and put them in your skirt and take them and throw them into the fire. Because God is going to be a fire unto all the house of Israel, into verse 4. Uh, Thus says the eternal God, verse 5, This is Jerusalem. I have set it in the midst of the nations and countries that are around about her. And she has changed my judgments into wickedness more than the other nations and my statutes more than the countries that are around about her. So he says, Israel, whom I called and made my chosen, they're worse than the Gentiles around them. They refused my judgments and my statutes and have not walked in them. So he says he is going to bring great evil in verse 9 because of all your abominations. Therefore the father shall eat the sons in the midst of you, and the sons shall eat their fathers. The famine is going to be so great the people will resort to cannibalism in this nation in the very near future. And I will execute judgments in you, and you, the whole remnant of you will I scatter into the winds. Verse 12, A third part of you shall die with the pestilence and with the famine shall they be consumed in the midst of you. So of this nation, one-third of us are going to die of famine and disease that is about to be unleashed upon us. A third part shall fall by the sword round about you. So a third will die of malnutrition and disease. A third will be killed by the war that is coming. Now that means that we're not going to have an EMP attack that destroys all uh, electronics and destroys the infrastructure. Those who are going to conquer us want our infrastructure. They want to use it. And if we're not going to be all blasted into eternity by nuclear war because that would kill more than a third of us. A third are going to die of famine and pestilence. 
brought on by the civil war that is about to break out, which I will show you in Scripture is going to happen. A house divided. And I will scatter a third part into all the winds, and I will draw out a sword after them. So a third, another Scripture says, will be taken captive, and a sword then be sent after them. A third, a third, and a third, which means that if you take some more out of that and, and put in your garment, that less than 10% of us are going to survive what is about to happen to this nation. Less than 10%. You go downtown and you see 10 people, nine of them are going to die. Out of every, nine, every 10 you see in Walmart or Costco or wherever you go, nine out of those 10 will be dead. That's what's going to happen to this nation. Does that mean Trump's going to save it? No, this is a prophecy from God Almighty about what's going to happen to this nation. Clinton or Trump or anybody else can't save it from the prophecies that God is laying out there. Now let's go back to where we were in Zephaniah 1. Well, he shows terrible destruction coming here on our nation. Now part of it is going to be a financial collapse. We see that here in Zephaniah 1. He's going to consume things off the land. Well, we did that in Ezekiel, did we not? And he'll cut off the remnant of Baal. So verse 8, And shall come to pass in the day of the eternal sacrifice, he's going to sacrifice us, that I will punish the princes and the king's children, and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. So our leaders are going to be punished, and strange apparel is anything but righteousness and holiness the clothing of God. If you're clothed with some other clothing and have other gods, you're going to be in trouble. All right, in the same day also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. Now we have our servants today who control our retirement funds and our medical and all those things uh, Fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. Our leaders are supposed to be elected by the people, for the people, but they oppress the people instead. So those that we have elected are filling their master's houses, where their masters are supposed to be, with violence and deceit. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Eternal, that there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate, and howling from the second, and a great crashing from the hills. Interestingly, we call a stock market a major decline, a crash. Uh, Howl, you inhabitants of Maktesh, for all the merchant people are cut down, all they that bear silver are cut off. Maktesh was a market uh, area of Jerusalem originally. Today we have different stock markets and financial houses instead. But this is a projection of our society today, an end-time prophecy. How you inhabitants, but your silver is cut off. It shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their oars, not rowing, not doing anything, taking welfare, uh, living off of others, whatever, that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Their goods shall become booty. What is booty? When you have an invading force, they take your things. Uh, and their houses, a desolation. 
People will die of famine and pestilence, be taken into captivity, and destroyed by the sword. They shall also build houses, but not inhabit them. We have all our McMansions we've built, and they're going to be taken away because we can't make the payments. And they shall plant vineyards, but not drink the wine thereof. So, a famine uh, of the good things that we might be able to produce. Napa Valley's going under. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and haste greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man, shall cry there utterly. A day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress. So here he says very clearly that this prophecy was not for ancient Judah and Israel. It's for today, just before the day of the Lord comes upon us. That's the crash that's being talked about here. It's a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Uh, verse 17, I will bring dis distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men. They don't have any idea what the answers are. No clue. Some will say this one will save us, that one will save us. Because they have sinned against the eternal, and their blood shall be poured out as dust, <coughs> and their flesh as dung. Our bodies will be poured on a dung heap, <coughs> and be just as good as manure. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. We read it in Ezekiel. Uh, what's going to happen to us? Let's go to Revelation 18 and see this confirmed in an end time prophecy again. <clears throat> where he says, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Chapter 2, or 18 verse 2. Uh, I've gone through a long series and proved that Babylon is represented today by the United States as its leader. Babylon's a system of Satan. It's a system that is throughout the world, but we are the major leaders of the world today. Not for long, but we are even to this day. But we're going to fall. And we will fall, and another head of Babylon will take over, the beast and the false prophet. And then when Christ returns, he's going to take them by the nap of the neck and throw them in the fire, so Babylon will fall again. Satan's kingdom cannot stand. Anyway, uh, it talks about how evil our society is. In verse 3, All nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. All the dollars that have been spent in Japan and China and other places to make other nations rich have come from here. We're the nation that has made people rich. Uh, Jeremiah 51 calls the end-time Babylon the hammer of the whole earth. Is that talking about Peru? I don't think so. <laughs> We're the hammer of the whole earth. We are the leaders of Babylon today. And he says in verse 4, "...come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues." So anybody that will listen has a chance to get away from Babylon, to come out of her culture and society and way of doing things, and begin to obey God. Because her sins have reached to heaven. 
Now, verse 7, she has glorified herself and lived deliciously. We're the richest nation that has ever existed on the face of the earth, even more so than ancient Rome. And we've lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she says in her heart, I sit a queen, and I'm no widow, and shall see no sorrow. God bless America. Why in the world would God bless America when we're liars and thieves and frauds and every other commandment that you might mention we are breaking? But we think there's no problem. We're okay. Just give us the right leader, Hillary or Donald, and everything will be fine. We'll, we'll survive. We'll be great again. We're not going to see any sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, a very short period of time, death and mourning and famine, just like Ezekiel 5. And she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. And then it says the kings of the earth, verse 9, who've had these alliances with her and lived deliciously with her, will bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. They'll stand way back in fear, saying, That great Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is your judgment come. Then it goes and shows how the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn because nobody buys their merchandise anymore. Chinese can't sell to Walmart. Japanese can't sell Toyotas and so on and so forth. They're all going to be hurting and in a big hurt when America goes under and we can't support the world anymore. He goes on and talks about that. Uh, verse 15, The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand far off and weep. Who's made the world rich? Peru? <laughs> no, it's us. We made, the ja- we made the Japs rich, and then we made the... Uh, um, oh, what am I trying to say? Uh, they're off the coast of China. And then we made the Chinese rich, and we've made uh, anybody on the earth that's rich primarily has been because of American industry and the American dollar, the petrodollar. We've made the Arabs rich by buying their oil and so on. They're not going to like it. Verse 17, For in one hour so great riches has come to nothing. And all these people are going to say, What cities like this great city? There's no place like New York. The Big Apple. But it's going to all be torn down. Uh, talks about sorcery, our pharmaceutical injury, uh, uh, industry down in verse 23. Those who love and take drugs, and those drugs are designed to kill us, uh, make us uh, addicts, and then they destroy our liver and kidneys, and we die. That's the side effect. Anyway, on and on it goes. Uh, and I could read for the next year without stopping the prophecies of what's going to happen to Israel and this country. Let's go now to Hosea. Now, Hosea is about Israel. It's about Judah. It's about our nation in the end. But it is primarily, and the focus is Ephraim, this nation. And that's important because we are the leader of the Israelite nations today. Uh, Hosea 4 Uh, this book starts out with God telling uh, Hosea to marry a whore 
because we are a nation of whoredoms. Now, that fits in with what we just read in Revelation 18. We're the great whore of the book of Revelation. We've whored around with all the peoples of the earth and turned to them and their finances instead of to God. So, that aside, let's go to chapter 4. He talks about the latter days in verse 5 of chapter 3. Hear the word of the Eternal, you children of Israel, for the Eternal has a controversy with inhabitants of the land, because there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Politics and politicians aren't going to save us. We have turned away from God. That's the problem. How? By swearing, lying, killing, stealing, committing adultery. They break out and blood touches blood. We're getting more and more murder and more and more violence in the land. Cops against people and people against cops and people against each other. Therefore shall a land mourn, and every one that dwells therein shall languish with the beasts of the field, the fowls of heaven. The fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. It's happening. The fisheries are just about depleted. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for your people are as they that strive with the priest. (laughs) Don't argue with each other. Don't be self-righteous. Don't blame it on each other. You're all guilty. It's just like trying to argue with the priest when he tells you you're sinning. You're lying and stealing and so on. Therefore shall you fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with you in the night, and I will destroy your mother. Our government is going to be destroyed. Now let's see. I want to go to... Chapter 5. Hear you this, O priests, and hearken, you house of Israel. So the religious leadership. And give ear, O house of the king. So not only the religious, but also the civic leadership. For judgment is toward you, because you have been a snare on Mizpah, and a net spread upon Tabor, nations or cities of Israel. The revolters are profound to make slaughter. So we're going to have revolters in our land that are going to make slaughter, going to kill each other. Verse 4, They will not frame their doings to turn to their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the eternal. And the pride of Israel does testify to his face. Therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall in their iniquity, and Judah also shall fall with them. So we're going to fall, he says, speaking again of this nation. Uh, Verse 13. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, began to understand that we are in trouble as a nation. Then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jareb, yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound. What has our nation done? We have communist leadership today in our nation, and they have gone to other communists in the world, primarily Russia, and they have sold us out. You can go to Jeremiah 51, and I, what is it? I wrote it down here. Verse 49 comes to mind. Keep your finger here. I'll I'll turn back and read that. Jeremiah 51. Um... Well, that's not the one I had in mind. Uh, chapter 50 and uh, in verse 15. 
Shout against her round about. She has given her hand. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls, her military are thrown down. For it is the vengeance of the eternal. Take vengeance upon her. And this is talking about the Assyrian coming in and destroying this country. So what has our government done? They've gone to the Assyrian and given their hand and made a deal to sell us out. That's why we have tens of thousands of Russian troops and UN troops of other nations on our soil today. And I'm reading that there are thousands and thousands more right now who are coming into this country and preparing for the violence that is about to break out. It says right here that our leadership will make a deal, give their hand, shake hands on a deal to destroy us, to sell us out. It's happened. And it's not done happening. The Obama administration is right in the middle of that. They went to the Russian for help. Now, Donald Trump is saying that Putin is a really good guy, and he wants to make friends with Putin. So even Donald Trump may go and make some deals with the Russians, <laughs> uh, because he's a friend already of Putin, it seems. That's at least what you read. We'll see. But what does the Bible say? It says our leadership, in the end here, will go to the Assyrian, that's Russia, and her allies, and try to make deals to get us out of our trouble. When we see our trouble, then we'll go there. <clears throat> and that's where we're going. Right now, as we speak. All right. Uh, Let's go to Hosea 10. Let's get some specific prophecies here in the book of Hosea. I've already quoted Jeremiah 51.15, how our leadership will sell us out to the Assyrian. Uh, and I pointed out in Isaiah 7 how there is a conspiracy that is going to cause this nation to be destroyed. Um, before we get into Hosea 10, uh, <clears throat> turn back to Isaiah 51 briefly. Isaiah 51, I ask you some questions at the beginning. Is Trump going to make America great again? Uh, here's a prophecy again against Israel. Uh, verse 17 of Isaiah 51, Awake! Wake up! Stand up, O Jerusalem, which have drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of His fury. We've seen that happen to the church, and we're going to see it happen now to our nation. You have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out. A lot of people are afraid today. They're afraid of Trump. Now notice verse 18. <clears throat> there is none to guide her among all the sons whom she has brought forth. <clears throat> Neither is there any that takes her by the hand of all the sons that she has brought up. So here's a prophecy, a direct one, against our people today which says that of all the children raised in this country, none will be able to guide us or lead us or take care of us. That tells me right there, Donald Trump, who is one of the sons of America, cannot make America great again. Now, is America going to be great again? Yes, it is. We'll get to that a little later. But none of the people, none of the politicians that we have raised in our nation will be able to lead us and guide us. So he is not going to make America great again. Now, that's not a political statement. 
That's what God says. Hillary couldn't make us great either. No one right now can make us great. Because we are under judgment and condemnation of Almighty God for our national sins. And greatness is not where we're headed right now. We're headed for civil war. Uh, again, let's, uh, let's see that. Uh, that was Jeremiah 51. That's the one I was trying to quote. Jeremiah 51. Here tells us, again, here in the end time context, when the Assyrian is about to invade us. Uh, chapter 51, verse... Uh, 46. <clears throat> he warns us in verse 45 that his people are to get out of the midst of Babylon and deliver himself. And lest your heart faint, and you fear for the rumor that shall be heard in the land. Do we hear rumors in our land today? We hear rumors about one congressman saying Trump ought to be assassinated. We have rumors going back and forth about uh, the Clintons and how they kill people and will kill their enemies. All kinds of rumors are going on in our nation today like that. A rumor shall both come one year, and after that in another year shall come a ruler, a rumor, and violence in the land, ruler against ruler. So we are going to have civil war. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And when you have rulers who choose each other out and decide to kill one another you're going to have their followers behind them. And they will also bring violence. So we're going to have civil war very shortly in this country, ruler against ruler, killing one another. There are some assassinations coming up. It's going to happen. God says so. I'm not saying right at the moment who they'll be. It's just ruler against ruler and violence. And then, do you think if... Trump is killed, that his followers won't follow that with violence and civil war? Do you think if the electors decide to go with Hillary instead of Donald, that his uh, followers won't revolt and rebel at this point? We're a nation that divided. And if there's some of them killed, violence, ruler against ruler, uh, the people will become violent too. And they will oppress one another, as we read, I think, in Isaiah a little earlier. So these things are prophesied in quite a few different prophecies, that we won't have anybody to save us or guide us, and rulers will kill one another. Let's go to chapter 10 now of Hosea and read a very dire prophecy. Uh Verse 13, you have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies. Our leaders lie to us, we lie to each other. Because you did trust in your way. I had a famous song, I did it my way. We are determined to do it our way. And nothing can ever destroy America. God bless America. In the multitude of your mighty men, we trusted in what? our armies, our military, that they're going to save us. No, they're not. Our government right now has just fired over 250 of its leading military uh, generals and others high in those ranks. And we are having our military spread all over the world <clears throat> and destroyed. 
<coughs> so our mighty men aren't going to save us. <coughs> Therefore shall a tumult arise among your people. Now we just saw that violence will come ruler against ruler. Now we're going to have a tumult. What is that? Riot? Anger? Violence? A tumult arise among your people, among the citizens. And all your fortresses shall be spoiled. So all of our military, all of our defense system is going to be ruined, destroyed. As Shalman spoiled Beth Arbel in the day of battle, the mother was dashed in pieces upon her children. And it says in specific prophecies, when we are invaded, the mothers will be ripped open and their babies dropped on the ground and women will eat their babies as soon as they're born. That's how bad it's going to get, just like it was in Poland and World War II and other places. So shall Bethel do to you because of your great wickedness. Bethel, or Bethel, I, I like to call it Bethel because El is a name for God. But when Jacob had his dream of the stairway ascending to heaven and so on, uh, he built an altar there and called the name of the place the house of God, Bethel. House of God is what that means in the Hebrew. <clears throat> and it was looked upon as a very important uh, place of spiritual significance in Israel. However, later on, they set up idols in Bethel. And it became known as the house of harlotry. And that's what... Hosea himself called it back in chapter 10, verse 5. He called it Beth-Avon. That means house of harlotry. Uh, so it became a center of idolatry, and that's what Hosea called it. Now when it says, so shall Bethel do to you because of your great wickedness, does that mean that God, the house of God, is going to come down on you? And does it also mean that God, the house of God, will come upon you because you have become a house of idolatry and whoredom? I think both names apply to us right now. Now notice the last verse, or last part of this verse. And this should make goose pimples rise on your neck. In a morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. I looked up cut off in uh, Hebrew. Killed, perish, uh, be washed away, are some of the words used to describe what is said right here. Is this a direct prophecy that when these circumstances come, when civil war breaks out, when our military is being destroyed, when we are going into captivity, that our president will be utterly cut off in one morning? I think it is. Whether that's Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or whoever our last president is, and I think the next one is probably the last one because these prophecies are coming to pass very, very rapidly. The world is on the brink of financial collapse we're on the brink of civil war and being taken captive, and a third of us die in famine and pestilence, a third by the sword, and a third taken into captivity and a sword after them. That's where we are. 
So is Donald Trump going to make America great again? If he becomes president, it appears from this that he will be cut off. Does that mean assassinated? It doesn't mean just die of natural causes. Cut off <laughs> is something you do with a knife. You cut something off. It says, and I missed it in Isaiah 7, but you can go back there and read it. It says, well, let me go back and, and tie that with this because I think it's very important. Isaiah 7, verse 16. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you abhor shall be forsaken of both her kings. Does that mean president and vice president? That's the 65-year prophecy where Ephraim will be destroyed before that's complete. Did it start when 54 were the Bilderbergs? I don't know. But it's very soon. And both the vice president and the president, it appears, will depart, be gone. doesn't say killed or cut off there, but be forsaken. Or be forsaken in the land. Won't be there anymore as rulers. <coughs> And then you add to that, Hosea 10, verse 15, that the king of Israel will be utterly cut off. Uh, let's go on to verse chapter 13 and pick it up in verse 9. O Israel, you have destroyed yourself. You can't blame it on your leaders. We are the ones who lied and cheat and stole and broke God's law. But in me is your help. Our only answer is God, not Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or any other politician. I will be your king. Where is any other that may save you in all your cities and your judges of whom you said, Give me a king and princes? We said, as a nation in this last election, Give me somebody who can make America great again. We will follow him. Now, a lot of people didn't agree with that, and they says, we'll follow her. So they're divided. But apparently the majority, and the majority of the uh, electors, have said, we'll have a king that will save us. Give me a king and a prince. Give me someone who will save America. And many people today think that we have done just that. Verse 11, I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. Now, was, God is a jealous God, is he not? He says so. Now, he was jealous in the day that Israel says, we want a king like the other nations. So he gave them Saul. He was not happy with that situation. So he gave Saul in wrath. And then he took him away in anger because Saul got lifted up and thought he was important and he was the answer for everything. Now this isn't about that. This is about the end time Ephraim when we're going to the Assyrian <clears throat> to try to get help. It's a time when we've said, give me a king, give me a prince to save America, to make America great again. This is the time this is talking about. Now, people say, God sent Donald Trump. You know, maybe he did. Maybe he did. In anger. Not in blessing, but in anger. Because we did not turn to God Almighty, we turned to Donald Trump. 
And God is a jealous God. Now, if He gives him to us in anger, He may take him away in wrath, just as He did Saul. Donald Trump is not going to save America to make America great again. And Hillary wouldn't have either, believe me. None of them can. So I'm not making a political statement here. I'm telling you what God says and what His attitude is. Now, He's already said that our king will be cut off in one morning. Now, is he following it up here by saying, you wanted somebody that you thought could save you, you didn't turn to me, you turned to Donald Trump. And I'll take him away in my wrath and jealousy. Is that what this is saying? Looks like it to me. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is hid. Now, is America going to be saved? And is America going to be made great again? Yes, it is. It most assuredly is. God will bless America again, but not now. Right now, we are under judgment for our sin, and our leadership is under judgment for sin, and we are going to go into captivity very shortly. It's going to go into civil war first, and then we're going to be taken over and made slaves, and most of us die. That has to happen before God will save America. Let's look at chapter 14 of Hosea and close on this note. O Israel, return to the Lord your God. Don't return to Hillary. Don't return to Donald. Don't return to anybody but God. For you have fallen by your iniquity. He's saying after this punishment that is coming on us because of our iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Eternal. Say to Him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. Forgive us, Father, for we have sinned. So will we render the words of our lips. We'll turn to God. But not until we have been absolutely decimated and less than, nine, less than 10% of us remain alive. Then, and only then, will Israel turn to God. Asher shall not save us, Trump or Clinton or anybody else. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, You are our gods. Look at this dollar. Look at this petrodollar. It's our God. It's what we fall down and worship. It's what we seek and we pursue and spend our time doing. We don't follow God. For in you the fatherless finds mercy. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For my anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew to Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his fruits as Lebanon. Israel will be saved in the millennium. Christ will be ruling on the earth. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as the cedars of Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return, come back out of captivity. <clears throat> they shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, now, this is going to be a change of heart. 
Our nation doesn't say this today, but they will then. What have I to do anymore with idols? American Idol? <laughs> this is a program. I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is your fruit frowned. The only way we'll be fruitful and peaceful and happy again is in service to God. Now, what do you think of that? What do you think of all this? Verse 9. Who is wise and he shall understand these things? Who can you go to on the streets of America today and hear what you just heard from God's Word? Nowhere. Nobody has these answers. They don't read the Bible. They read the horoscope. They read the Entertainment Weekly and the Wall Street Journal and those things. Have you heard anyone stand up and tell you what's going to happen to America now and in the future? No. Our politicians don't have any answers. There's none to guide her of all her sons. For the ways of the eternal are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. Who's wise? Who will seek God? And who will go on seeking Hillary or Donald or some other hero that they think will save us? We can't be saved until we are destroyed and we repent and God saves us. That's when God will bless America and she will become great again as the leader of the world. 